But here's what we have. <laughs> Think of what we know of David. Oh, my goodness, that poet, that sweet singer of Israel. How many times have I run to the Psalms and found myself filled with praise? Just with David's word, with David's words. How many times have I been low and I've, I've gotten to a psalm and David's saying to me, why are you cast down? Hope thou in God. I mean, just fussing at me. Through the years, I have spent a lot of time with David. David knew God. I mean, he knew him. There's no doubt about it. It started in the fields alone when he was a little boy, looking up into that night sky and being aware as a young boy that there is not only a God there, but there is a God who somehow got inside of my heart and got inside of my soul. This mighty God who made all this, I can talk with him. And he did. You know, he was fearless, you know, the lion and the bear and Goliath. And that fearless faith led him to be a mighty warrior, a leader of troops. And his men followed him so faithfully, and they loved him because they knew he was a faith-filled, fearless guy with wisdom from God himself. What a king he was. He had a gift for administration. Uh, that kingdom prospered until David, like no other king in Israel's history, gained all the territory. Remember that lesson? All the territory that God said, this belongs to Israel. Abraham had been promised. And yet all the time, that guy was humble. You remember after Samuel anointed him king of Israel, he went right back to tending sheep and stayed there for approximately 10 years, even though he had been anointed as a king. He was waiting for God's timing. And remember, Saul tried to tell him again and again, and he would not retaliate. He was, he was God's anointed. That's all there was to it. God himself called him. He's a man after my own heart. It was incredible, this life of David. But today, what we'll study makes us kind of mourn. We feel so sad as we see what's going to happen to him because he fell into dark, heinous sin, and here's what we know about the Bible. When a man's portrait is painted in the Bible, the scars are not hidden. You know both sides of him. The Bible's faithful to do that. Well, kings went to war. That's what kings did. But here in our study, we find that David stayed in Jerusalem. Now, the harvest was over, and that meant it was time to go back to war. Isn't that something to have a war schedule? But they did. The men were waiting for their fearless leader, but he didn't come. He just kind of yawned and sent Joab. Now, was David committing the sin by not going to war? There's a sin called the sin of omission. You know about it, don't you? And if I would say that ultimately every sin is a sin of omission, you would probably think that was funny, except here it is. If people are giving their life to God, if they're talking with him day after day, if they're doing the things that we're supposed to do with meeting together and having prayer and worship, you know, we're less, we are far less likely to sin and to get into trouble. If you're doing what you should, you won't have the time or the desire to do what you shouldn't. So can we say the sin of omission in our life causes us a great deal of trouble? So where do we find David when we start our lesson today? Well, he's in bed. Well, that's okay, except he was in bed in the afternoon. And how do we know that? Well, the Bible says in the evening, David rose from his bed. Hmm. David, was he sick? No, he wasn't sick. He was being idle. 
he was being careless. Maybe he thought, man, all my life has been a battle, and by golly, it's time now for me to just take my ease. He'd taken off his armor and just bored. He was just bored. He, he laid in bed, and he didn't fail because he was weak. He failed because he was strong. He had attained a position of strength. He was at the height of his career. I've heard it said before that an unguarded strength is a double weakness. Let me say it to you again. An unguarded strength that you have in your life can be a double weakness. If you study the great men, like Peter, he had such courage. Oh, he was full of bravado. And he said, Lord, if the others forsake you, I won't. And then he proved it because he went out with Jesus and cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. Remember that? I bet he went out of there thinking, I did what I said. I had his back. I was right there. But a little bit later, he found himself following, not closely, not having his back. He was following at a distance. And something had changed inside of him. And a little girl asked if he was a follower, and, and he began to curse and say, I don't know him. I don't know him. And then after he did that, he realized who he was and what he had done. And he went out and he wept bitterly because he saw something about himself that he didn't know was in himself. Have you ever bragged about what you would do if you were in a certain situation? <laughs> you ever done that? how you'd handle it if you were in their shoes. And then later you had to eat your words. That happened to you. See, Peter's unguarded strength became his failure. He was so sure that he would be brave. And he learned from his assumptive spirit. May I call it that? An assumptive spirit. Later, remembering his failure, I think he prepared himself with prayer, not bravado. And he stood strong as he marked himself all the way to a martyr's death, Peter stood strong, a brave man who then guarded his strength. I think Davidson was impulsive. I don't think he'd been scheming and planning on what he was going to do. He just looked, and he saw, and he stood there and saw again. And his lust just began to rise up inside of him. He had no idea, I'm sure, that he would ever do such a thing. Listen, sin is often an undetected weakness, something you have in you that you may find out later is hiding there. There it was in David. You've got to keep your heart. That's a military term. You don't know what's in it. I, I've been saved a long time. And I might think, I, I'm safe, you know. My flesh has improved. Wrong. That which is flesh of flesh is flesh. And will be forever until we finally get that glorified body. Jesus said, every day pray this. Every day, he said, lead us not into temptation. Because he knows how we will fall. There are three people that sit where you are this morning. This, the person that you know you are right now. You know about yourself. But there's also that person that God knows that you could be. And there's another thing. There's a person with a capacity for unbelievable evil. Amazing evil is inside of us, too. We see it on television, don't we? We see it on the news. How could they? How could they? Because it's in the heart of man. David just didn't know his heart had gotten so cold, I don't think. And he brought Uriah home. Hey, we'll take care of this. We'll cover this sin up. That's what we'll do. We'll cover it. Have you heard that... What we cover, God uncovers. And what we uncover before the Lord, 
God will cover. Have you heard that? David apparently didn't know it right here. Just a little sneakiness. But when Uriah proved to be too true-hearted, David said, I've got to do something. And the next thing he did was to have him killed. How far was that from the little shepherd boy's heart? But it's only a step away from every one of us who allow our hearts to get cold. His sin with Bathsheba. Now, that was a hot-blooded answer in a momentary compulsion. But do you understand that the next step, the next step after your compulsions are satisfied is what happened with Uriah. And it became a cold-blooded, thought-out sin. They walk hand in hand. Don't you imagine that the next few months of his life were pretty much a torture for him after all this had happened. He had to not think about God during that time because he knew God too well. It would have required repentance. He was too busy covering and trying to make what he had done hidden and all right. So he ran to get Bathsheba and marry her. And he, I think he probably thought everybody think he was very noble for taking in the widow of one of his finest soldiers. He might have even got a pat on the back for that. I don't think that worked. I think, first of all, that that palace buzz has probably been growing all the time since the time he got people to bring Bathsheba to him. That sweet psalm singer went almost a year without a song. How do we know that? Because Bathsheba was pregnant and Nathan confronted him before the nine months were over. So it was that period of time. He couldn't look up in the sky. He couldn't praise the God of the sun and stars at all during that time. His life would have been dark. He didn't want to do what it would take to bring the sunshine back into his life. You know, we go along sometimes, and we think somehow God's just, maybe he'll just forget that one. Maybe he'll just forget it. But God does not forget sin that convicts us sin that has something in our heart that is constantly gnawing us, and it's God himself through his Holy Spirit saying, get it right, get it right, get it right. And when we don't, the darkness just descends and descends. The heart will get colder. It's a very frightening, awful place to be. David continued to be king. I'm sure he wore a smile. I bet he looked good in his robes. He put on a front. But sin, sin is a weight. Have you felt that before? Sin is a wound. Sorrow's a wound, but it's a clean wound. It'll heal, but sin is dirty. It will always just fester and leave you with no peace. Sin weakens the body, weakens the spirit. And David says in a psalm later on after this act, he looked back and said, the light of my eyes is gone from me. I am like a dead man. That's how David felt. The Bible says if we judge ourselves, we wouldn't have to be judged. God's punishment is not revenge. We think it is. No, it's not. It's correction. Because if condition doesn't happen in our lives, we have to go to the woodshed. Remember this. God, are you ready? God is more concerned about your holiness than he is about your health. God's more concerned about your holiness than he is about the new house you just built. God will not let us go on as if everything is all right between my soul and my Savior. Oh, David, just better get it right. Confrontation may come through a sermon, through a friend, through a book, through something else. But when you try to get on your knees and can't pray, that's confirmation and confrontation. And when it comes, we've got to respond properly and immediately. 
when it happens to you girls, when it happens to me again, don't wait a single day when God shows you your sin. Confess it and repent with sorrow. Do what you can. Weep bitterly like Peter did. Sometimes the only thing I can do is just get on my face and cry and say, Lord, how did I do that again? How did I say that again? How did I think that again? Know that your sin will cost you more than you ever want to pay, and you want to walk away from it. Something really scary that I see in this passage that we're going to be studying, and I don't want to get ahead to the confrontation with Nathan except to make this point. Next week, we're going to see that Nathan said, The Lord has put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. That sounds like God was getting ready to kill David. Thou shalt not die. If he had not repented, if he had told Nathan, I'm the king and I will do what I please. He had that choice and God could have taken his hand of protection and blessing from David. And the spirit could have and would have departed just like it did with King Saul. King Saul could have left his, led his country with the Holy Spirit of God. But he disobeyed and disobeyed. And God took that from him. The Bible talks about a sin unto death. When a Christian will not repent, when their life is just filled with rebellion, day after day, sometimes God just goes ahead and takes them home. This isn't a game. Bound to sin, bound to suffer. Is God mean? No, no, just the opposite. Sin kills. Look, look what a cost Look what it cost to Bathsheba. Think about this. David pulled her into sin with him. He sent for her. She lost her good name. Whether she did it willingly or not, that's a matter of speculation. But look what she lost. Her good name. She had something in that, in that community that she lost. Uh, she lost the baby that she carried in her womb. She lost her peace of mind. And I am afraid that there might not have been a day for the rest of her life that she did not experience a replay and sorrow from the part that she had paid in the death of her husband and the death of her baby. God forgives you, but oh, the, gift, the difficulty of forgiving yourself. How hard that is. And what did David lose? Well, not necessarily by the hand of God but by the natural result of such sin as he was in. Most importantly, he lost almost a year of fellowship with the God that he loved with such a passion, his own rebellious choosing, and he walked in darkness. Do you think that he was probably a good leader to the people of Israel while his mind was filled with lust and then with deception? You think he was a good king? He lost the respect of his fighting men. Israel lost the great example, the beautiful witness of a spirit-filled king whose life absolutely glorified God. Don't you know they were disappointed when someone falls? Have you experienced that, someone that you've had faith in, and they fall? There were many other losses that would come in the natural sequence of things. His sons knew. They knew. We've got the record. And they would commit murder. They would commit adultery. And they would deceive. That's the very same things that David did. David's heart would be broken by the sins of his angry, angry sons. Can we learn that God is right? That his ways are right, always right. His laws are perfect. His spirit within us would keep us from falling and injuring our loved ones and, and messing with our witness. God should never be quenched by our sin. He should never be grieved by our ugly desires but he is. God hurts because he loves us, and he loves those that are affected by our worldliness. Yes, he forgives. 
He hung his son on the cross to cover the sickness of sin in our life. Just picture this. Picture this. Jesus cross-nailed, thorn-crowned. Does that not make you want to walk in righteousness from what he did for you? What an amazing and generous and glorious God. What a beautiful Savior. And so, God, please help us to live like we love you. Help us. Thank you, guys. All right. Let's stand.